So the so today I was listening to a podcast that you turned me on to, uh, and the episode was about COVID-19. And so very fitting that today's schedule is about COVID-19. Do you know what podcast I'm talking about? I do. How to Citizen. With Baratune Day. I do know that because you sent it to me. <laughs> so I did know already. <laughs> Just to be fair, way to way to put it together. Actually, that was good. <laughs> I'm smart. I'm just glad that you read my. I'm glad that you read my text uh, and that you actually saw it. I saw it. It was like an accident. I was looking at somebody else's text. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes it just pops up. <laughs> You're such an ass. I know. Uh, so, listeners, welcome to my America. I am your co-host Dan Moyle, and I am so excited to have you listening because I get to. I love the sound of my own voice, and so can confirm. Can <laughs> confirm. Oh, that. It feels like an inside joke, but also probably not. Um, so my, my name is Dan. I am the co-host of My America. I am a marketer by trade, by profession. I am a dad of a blended family, uh, husband. I am uh, white, identify as male. Uh, politically, I have been center, maybe right of center for a long time. And I'm kind of in that really center independent, like I kind of hate everybody right now in politics uh, sort of mindset. So that's me. That's why I'm here. And my America looks different from my co-host, Kim, because Kim, you are whom? Um, yeah, I'm your co-host. My name is Kim. I'm a white female living in Los Angeles. I, unlike Dan, have always been far left of center. And um, I work, I run a nonprofit, a Get Out the Vote nonprofit that's focused on education as a way to increase voter turnout. And to, for my career, I work in television production. And that is actually going to be something that comes up in this episode this week, because I think that's something that I'll, I'll talk about a little bit as we talk about COVID and, and talk about the quarantines, um, people working from home, working in the office, all that kind of stuff. Because Dan, I was telling you, I'm excited about this episode because you and I have not really had a conversation about this really that much, like in, in this much detail, I don't think. Unless I just didn't yeah. listen to you when you were talking to me, it's possible. Um, but but <laughs> we've got, so I don't know, we may agree or disagree on a lot of this stuff, but Maybe let's talk about how our situations are so completely opposite. Why don't you talk a little bit about your situation? Yeah, sure. So I'm in Michigan, um, and our state has been in the news because of because of Governor Gretchen Whitmer, uh, that woman from Michigan. And whether it's you know our former president talking about her and taking her on in social media, which is just so so childish and dumb, or it's the protests that happened in our state capitol because when she began to roll out. Uh, gubernatorial executive orders, people lost their minds. It became political, even though it's obviously not. So like we've been in the news quite a bit. And so I'm in Michigan. That's where we are. We've had cases, you know, on the rise and then they went down and who knows where we are right now. We'll talk about that. But my personal situation is this. Uh, I started working from home back in 2017, I think it was. And so I've worked from home for a long time, went into an office briefly for like six months uh, and then started working from home again. Uh, in I think 2019 it was. And so when the pandemic hit and everybody like had to work from home unexpectedly, I was already there. Um, my wife of 10 years this year is the, the year before. And so in 2019, started working from home in October. And obviously then in March of 2020 is when everything, you know, hit the fan, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So she already was working from home too. So that we were fine there. 
and we started doing grocery pickup. She she hates shopping for groceries. So when when grocery pickup be, became a thing at, at our stores here, we started using that anyway. And so then again, like when the pandemic hit and that became a thing, we already were used to it. We were doing it. It was fine. Uh, we don't go out a ton. She's kind of a homebody. I am very social, but so that changed for me. But then also, you know, we have two daughters uh, and we're a blended family. So my oldest goes to her mom's and comes here and spends 50% of her time between the two houses. So now we have multiple families uh, in our family pod. Um, and so, yeah, and, and, my, and my parents live very close to me and I am close with them. And so at the beginning of the pandemic, we stopped seeing them. I would see them almost weekly. They would help pick up uh, my oldest occasionally or even my youngest every once in a great while. And, and so we would see them often. And so it was abnormal to not see them, but we said, we're not, we're not seeing anybody when shelter in place was, was a thing at the beginning. We didn't see anyone. I thought maybe I wouldn't be able to see my oldest because I didn't know if her mom would not allow me to, if it like, what does parenting time look like in a pandemic? Uh, fortunately that wasn't an issue. So we were able to see her. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my basic situation. We, we work from home already, but we have a blended family. I live with multiple people at least two homes are represented in my home now actually three because my youngest daughter's dad moved here from louisiana and she gets to see him now which is incredibly awesome but that includes now another family for us and so yeah and then and both my girls are in high school so figuring out schooling was a thing too so that's our situation kim why don't you go ahead and, and, and let's get your backstory so mine is like i said it's the exact opposite um so i work uh, in television production, I was working on a show when the, you know, numbers started really creeping up and a lot of shows were deciding to shut down. I was, <laughs> I had just gotten back from a weekend in Cabo and <laughs> got, went back to work right. on Thursday and Thursday morning I was there, Thursday afternoon we were home thinking, you know, it'd be two weeks. And so I live, oh, you know, I live on my own here in my apartment. Uh, I don't have roommates. I did get a cat during the pandemic, but you know, so I, I, it was just really me here quarantined. After a little while, I did pod with my best friend and her husband and their three, now four-year-old daughter because they were working from home and just needed a little bit of help um, because their daughter wasn't in preschool anymore. And I, I couldn't work. I don't have a work from home job. So I was out of work for, I don't know, six or seven months or so, but now shows are back up. I'm working now in an office, you know, as far as Los Angeles, I know that Michigan saw a lot of protests and everything here in California. It's obviously a more liberal state. So that wasn't as much of an issue. Uh, now, I think people are starting to push back at the governor as well as our mayor here, here in LA. But just south of us, we have Orange County that is a, a very conservative city or county. And um, there's been a lot of protests there, a lot of open back up protests and all that kind of stuff. So how do you, like, how do you feel about all of that? Whether it's the pol political side of it, whether it's the pandemic side of it, your personal side of it, like, how do you feel right now? We, and, and just like, as we're recording this in at the end of January, beginning of February, 2021, it's, it's been almost an entire year. <laughs> March 13th is when it all shut down. Like it's been almost a year. How are you, how are you feeling? Frustrated. Uh, I'm feeling frustrated that we are, we have not had as much of a national plan in place 
So we're only now really starting to deal with this on a federal level. In a state level, you know, California shut down very early. And because of that, our numbers were really, really low for a really long time. And I think that what has happened is that we shut down. I don't think we shut down too early, but I think that perhaps, you know, in 50 years, they'll look back at California's numbers and say California shut down too early because our numbers were so low when we did it. I think we did it at the right time. I think that reopening has caused the problem that we're in right now. Los Angeles is kind of right now the epicenter of it all. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of reasons for that here. Um, but I'm frustrated that it's been a year and we're looking at the numbers as being what they are. I'm frustrated that it's January and I probably won't have a vaccine until June. Um, I, I genuinely love my job. Um, I'm technically a freelance worker and this team that I've been lucky to be with for the last few months, I really enjoy and I'm very, very happy to be with them. Um, but I'm frustrated that just in general, people have to go back to work. Um, non-essential workers have to go back to work because we haven't been able to, to pay people to stay home. I'm frustrated that we haven't been yeah. able to pay our essential workers better wages and, you know. So I'm frustrated. I'm grateful to be healthy. I'm grateful to not have to have a lot of roommates or any roommates. So I'm not worried about them bringing home something because they're working and that kind of stuff. So mix. Uh, we call it quarantine fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. And, and like, I, I feel, I feel grateful. I feel blessed. I feel lucky. I feel all those things. In that, you know, when I was listening to Baratunde's uh, interview today with um, Dr. Michael Osterholm, uh, they were talking about how, and, and I've heard this over the course of the last year, how different segments of our country are affected disproportionately mm -hmm. by COVID-19, mm -hmm. by the pandemic, by the economics of it, by all these things. And so for me, like it's been, I don't like using this word, but it's been easy. And I feel so blessed and fortunate and lucky because I know it's not that way for so many people. I can work from home. I have not lost any work at all. Um, both my, my wife and I, our daughters have been able to school. No problem. We have, uh, you know, our, our oldest is schooling virtually. We have internet at both of her houses. She has mm -hmm. computers. Everything's fine. Um, her school is doing pretty well. Like it's, there's some frustrations, but I also understand that this is unprecedented to use that overused word. Um, our youngest has a hybrid uh, model of a schedule. She goes to school two days a week and is at, and is virtual the other three, um, even asynchronous at, for, for much of it, which is really interesting to me. It's very cool. Um, and her class size is very small. She goes to a really small school, uh, shockingly small probably for some of our listeners. How many kids are in her class? So yeah, her graduating class is 37. <laughs> wow. Now, here's the thing. Our oldest, her graduating class is 370, so 10 times bigger, but still 370 for some schools out there is not that big. That's about half of my graduating class, I think. Right? Yeah. So so even that, you know, but you know, but our, but our youngest, um she, you know, her school is small, so even the days that she's there is not that big of a deal, right? Half of her class is there and then half is it at the, on the other ones. So, we've been very lucky. Um I even, I mean, you know, I, I even feel, 
I feel bad in one sense that I was able to travel last week and go see my my grandfather who just passed uh, before he passed because so many families don't get that goodbye. Yeah. But because our respective families have been taking it seriously and not traveling or not doing things, not going out to restaurants. Like we've taken this very seriously. We mask everywhere. We watch like everything we do. We take our precautions. Mm -hmm. We, some of us are getting vaccines, which is awesome. My dad just got his first vaccine uh, this past weekend. Cause he's in that age group that he, he's, he's able to. So my, my aunt who was taking care of my grandpa uh, said, you know what, like his time is short. And so because we've all been so good like continue to do that if you're able to come visit him please do and so i did you know my wife and i talked about it and you know i'm, I'm not going to go out to restaurants i'm not going to do all these things i'm going to everywhere i go wear a mask like i'm going to do everything i can and so i had a tiny piece of normalcy but i understand that that is not the norm yeah and my heart breaks for so many families that are that are out there that they don't have that and so you know, I don't even know what to call that, you know, quarantine fine, or you know, I feel lucky, <laughs> but not, I feel, yeah. I feel bad on one hand, but, but, you know, I have a friend in Arizona who just texted me today and, and asked me if, if we've avoided getting it. And I'm like, yeah, we, we have, I don't know how at times, but we have, yeah. um, but you know, it's taken its toll. You know, our oldest is very social like I am. And she finally was like, look, I need to, I need to see a friend. <laughs> I need to do something. And so we talked with one of her friends, um, parents and said, look, you know, she really wants to hang out with her friend. You guys, I think are taking it seriously. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we think her mom has done. Some of it we don't agree with or whatever, but just so you have all the information, you know, and, and that friend's parents said, well, here's what we've been doing. And so we said, okay, we're going to go ahead and pod. But then that begins to loosen the reins just enough that then, well, now there's another friend there. Well, mm -hmm. should we allow that? Like I, I get, I get worried and I don't want to live in fear but I want to live in common sense. And so it's, man, it's hard. It's so hard. I am over it, <laughs> but I, but I'm also like, I'm not going to quit doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't even know if there's a point to that story, but that's, that's where we're at. I find that I have become way more judgmental than I ever was before. <laughs> and something that I, I don't think that I have been often, maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I'm learning that that's possible is I've been a little, um, yeah, a little hypocritical in my thoughts, which is like, if I, you know, just the other day I heard about somebody in a completely different state where the numbers actually seem to be lower doing an outdoor dining thing. And I was like, oh, oh man, I don't know if I would do that. And then I turned around and did like an outdoor, you know, in the garage, all of us six feet apart, at least six feet apart and had a beer. And that's not a great look. <laughs> that's not a piece of me that I yeah. really enjoy. Um, I don't like being hypocritical in my actions, but, um, you know, there's a little bit of like, well, I know that I'm doing it right. So it's fine for me when it's obviously, right. you, you know, it, it, Yeah. the other person probably feels the same way. We're both maybe right. We're both maybe wrong. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there is such a social aspect to it. Like you were saying, you know, you're a social creature. I'm a social creature. I know that your oldest is, and it's hard. It takes a toll on you. There are things that we're going to look back on and say, you know, are we're changing socially as a culture, all of that because of this. Even even our, our youngest and my wife, who are homebodies, uh, introverts, as well, and I know those are different. You know, the introvert doesn't mean shy, but they're they're not necessarily people persons. Mm 
Um, they love people, but they're also just not, they don't want to be around everybody. Um, but even my youngest is like finally going, okay, wait a minute. I need to see some friends. I need to do something. Yeah. And so, you know, realizing that it took me only about a week to get there. It's taken her almost a year <laughs> <laughs> is different between us, but you know, but because she's there, I want to foster that too. I'm, I was like, yes, honey, please let's, let's talk about that. Let's find a friend that you can go hang out with like in, even in their home, that's fine. Let's, let, let's try and figure this out. Somebody who has been careful, who does believe in this, who is also masking and can say, yes, this is where I am. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to the days where maybe we have home tests that are accurate. Yeah. So I could just be like, okay, I'm negative. So for this week we can do this thing or whatever. Just because I just, yeah, I miss the world. And I, and I can't, I, again, I go back to thinking about the, how to citizen um, podcast and others that I've, that I've other resources that I've seen. I can't imagine those who are more affected by this, you know, I, on how to citizen, they were talking with um, Dr. Osterholm about um, opening up, right? Like you just talked about dining out or whatever. We 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 know based on research that those who uh, those who work in those industries, restaurants, and other work that is you know essential or not, maybe, but like that we want to have here opened, tend to be people of color. Mm-hmm. You know, BIPOC. You know, Black Indigenous people of color, Black and Brown. And we, they, they, they have to work because they need, because they historically make less than white America does also. So like this, we need these things to happen. And yet we're not giving them the supplies. We're not giving them the help they need. We're not, they're not covered by insurance. And there's just so much there that this has uncovered. That's where I start to go then. Like after we talk about how we feel and what's frustrating, all these other things, like what about the systems in place that that show us how 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 far off we are when it comes to our country. What is like, I don't even know what where we go from there. What does my America look like to those who are suffering? You know, I can't even imagine. I was just reading you the stat, Dan. I'm gonna go pull it up again. Um, New York Times has a great breakdown of Los Angeles. The headline is in L.A. The virus is pummeling those who can least afford to fall ill, and it's basically kind of broken down all of the hundreds of neighborhoods here in Los Angeles. And where I live, so it breaks it down by population, um, non-white and and or Hispanic population, median household income, and then gives you like cases and deaths. Where I live, uh, the population is about 93,000, 79% non-white or Hispanic. Uh, the median household income is 46,000. One in seven people have it, with one in 417 people dying from it. The city That's, right next wow. door has a population of 87,000, so comparable, 33% non-white and or Hispanic, with a median household income of 93,000, one in 18 have it, one in 1,205 have died from it. So it's, I, I, that's right next door. There is no reason that those numbers should be that different. But of course, yeah. we do know why those numbers are that different, and that's because of the breakdown. Yeah. The city that I live in is predominantly non-white and or Hispanic and is being hit really, really hard on, on the color chart. It goes from orange to dark purple, and I live in a city that is dark purple. And, and that's part of the reason that L.A. is seeing these incredibly high numbers. Uh, and it's part of the reason I would presume that New York saw these incredibly high numbers, which is that there is an extremely large uh, wealth gap in the city. 
and you have we already were seeing um, our homeless population just skyrocket again uh, in 2020. Uh, it's continued to grow. Uh, we have you know eviction moratoriums and everything, and that's helpful if your landlord mm-hmm. um, is doing things legally, and right. it's it's only helpful if you are you know uh, living in a building. Let's say your landlord says you can only have three people living in your apartment, but you have five people living in your apartment. Well, that's not that helpful then to have an eviction moratorium, and that's how things are here in LA. Not not that example specifically although i don't know but you know we have a lot of multiple family housing here in los angeles or multi-generational multi-generational housing in los angeles and people have to go to work and that's something i never would have thought of until i started listening to other voices and that's what i think Mm -hmm. is so important about about you know our conversations about the podcast about just in general where where i personally am right now is that listening to other voices i never would have given any thought to that multi-generational living situation mm-hmm. where so often, you know, and, 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 it, and, it, and this is like, it's not only a non-white situation, but it very often is. It is very rare for white families to have multi-generational living as you do from, let's say the uh, Latinx community, mm-hmm. right? You know, a, a Hispanic culture tends to be more multi-generational families, grandparents with kids, and then grandkids are there and you might have a cousin living there for a while or whatever that is, right? It's just a different culture. And so that, you know, ha- ma- making air quotes that, you know, somebody from that family go work because either there's a wealth gap or because they're a, deemed an essential worker, even if they aren't, um, even if they are, you know, uh, having them go to work and then bringing, being exposed and then coming home to that more at-risk generation, not even being able to discuss that. And say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What can we do to help in some way? Mm-hmm. Um, because we just don't know, right? Because those of us who look like me are the ones in power that don't even realize that that, that that situation exists. But it's also a conversation that I think a lot of people don't want to have because when you start to talk about it, we need to start talking about the systems that have been put into place to k- kind of uh, let this pandemic flourish in a lot mm. of communities. Because we, you know, so often don't give proper health care to our non-white citizens. Doctors are less likely to listen to their complaint of pain. You know, we tell people that they have to work when maybe we could have found a way around it. I can remember when, uh, you know, last year when they first had the unemployment bump up little like an added an additional piece on the unemployment and a lot of people argued well that's ridiculous nobody's going to go to work then they're making more money on unemployment well first of all then let's have a conversation about how much money we're paying people on unemployment because it's obviously not enough and as somebody who goes on unemployment often it is not enough you max out here in california at 450 dollars a week That, uh, that that doesn't even what does that cover in los angeles i'll tell you not much for sure right (laughs) um so you know we have to have those kinds of conversations about what are these systems that are being that have been put in place essentially from the foundation of our country that have led to this so how do we have the discussion about let's say let's say unemployment okay all right whether it's during the pandemic or just in general um 
you know, unemployment is meant to be a stopgap between jobs, hopefully, right? Mm -hmm. Like for, for whatever reason, whether it's capitalism, whether it's just our nature, whether it's a faith thing, we are called to, to do work, whatever that is, mm-hmm. we're supposed to work, make money and, and live, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're supposed to work and that's what makes makes us money, unemployment is supposed to be that stopgap between jobs. If you're unemployed for, because you got fired, you got downsized, you got laid off, whatever that, whatever it looks like. Um, how, I mean, I mean, what are we supposed to do then? You know, I, I don't, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't subscribe to the idea that uh, overwhelmingly those who got that bump in unemployment are just going to not work because I believe that overwhelmingly we all want to work and contribute. Are there those who don't? Sure. Yeah. Are there those who take advantage of the system? Of course. But I think, I think there are more people who take advantage of the system from the top down than from the bottom up. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, right. Like just look at what happened with the GameStop stock thing. You know, we have these super rich hedge fund managers who bet on a failing company in order to make money mm-hmm. and get even richer. And we're like, yeah, that's cool. But as soon as the working class goes, Hey, let's go take their money. They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> so there's advantage taking on the system from other ends. Yeah. But, but also like, I mean, I want to think that something like an unemployment is a help a hand up rather than a hand out. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, how do we have that conversation without like, because I don't want to sound uh, uncaring, discompassionate. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm supporting a system that only benefits white America, like, because that's a racist system. I mean, we see racial disparities and inequality, and that's a racist system. And so I I understand that. And so I'm coming at it from that point of view. I want to be clear on that one. And also... I believe in capitalism, compassionate capitalism. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, but, but capitalism. So like, how do we even have that conversation? What, like, where do you, where does your mind go? I don't know. You know, to be perfectly honest, I don't know. I think that you and I probably look at it in maybe the same, at the same coming to it with two different points of view, I guess, because, uh, because I am on unemployment so often. And so I know that based on what you get on unemployment, you, can't contribute much to the economy you know what i would love to do is like recklessly spend money <laughs> just like the i just i want to buy the dumbest things <laughs> as evidenced by the dumb things i buy sometimes <laughs> i you know I, I want to contribute to the economy in frivolous ways but um when I'm not working. I I can't do that. But then on the flip side of that, when I'm not working, I am creating stuff that I think could potentially contribute to, you know, like the world in different ways also. Um, Not that it has. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I don't (laughs) think I'm that great. But, you know, I, I think that sometimes when people are not worried about working 60 hours a week, they are able to create art or invent important apps or go to school that kind of stuff so um i don't know how i feel specifically about unemployment i know that is supposed to be a stopgap, but i think that it needs to be reworked because it's not really helpful to anybody if they're if they were earning ten thousand dollars a month and then uh, immediately started earning eighteen hundred a month you lose everything and that's not necessarily it's not somebody's fault 
they were being paid $10,000 a month, you know, and they lived on and, you know, they had savings, I'm sure. But once you go from 10000 to 1800 it's very difficult to find a way to make that work. But what it does make me think about and something that I, I think is really interesting to think about with the Congress that we have in session right now that seems to be uh, maybe like some outliers are kind of thinking about this. We had somebody running for president based on this idea, even if I didn't like him as a candidate, um, the idea of a universal basic income. And as we do these stimulus checks and they become a little bit more, you know, one of the pitches in, in the House is to do a monthly stimulus check during this pandemic. Well, $2,000 stimulus check, I'm probably not going to save it. Let's just be honest. History tells me I'm going to be putting that right back into the economy. I think that there is a situation that you could look at household income and a couple other factors that do include race. Uh, maybe start looking at universal basic income for the pandemic and beyond. Mm, that's an interesting thought. Maybe that's a new, maybe that's a whole other episode too, because I could get really deep into universal basic income. I, I, I am watching Star Trek. Uh, in, in this like marathon session of Star Trek going from the very beginning uh, up until the, the newer stuff. And that's one of, in one of the episodes somewhere I heard said basically like basically that, you know, we, we ended up with a universal income for every citizen on earth. And that allowed us to, you know, invent new things and create this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And like, nobody had to barter for stuff. We all just had what we needed and it became such this utopian view. And I was like, wait, is, can that be real? And I'm, and I'm very curious about that. Cause I'm also, I understand that like the basic of a communist economy, not dictatorship, that's different mm -hmm. dictators who instill communism. It's not for a good thing. Um, but actual communal living has worked. It also hasn't. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. There's just so much like, there's so much to look at. Um, but, you know, but again, I, I like, I believe in capitalism. I believe in the entrepreneurial spirit of Americans and, and, and around the world too. But I mean, all the other countries have this, but as we're talking about my America, I believe in that entrepreneurial spirit. I believe in, in capitalism, being able to have a free market where new things can come to light, new inventions can come out, new services can come. I think that's the backbone of America. Yeah. And so I don't want to see you know, I'm not sure if I'm on board with the universal basic income, like, because I, cause I don't know that that would necessarily continue our entrepreneurial push. You know what I mean? But there has to be something too. Like, I, but there has to be something There has to be more than what we have right now, because I think like unfettered capitalism is also not healthy. Right. Yeah. And basically either you work or you die is not okay either. <laughs> but that's right? kind of what we're telling people right now. Yeah. And, you know, go to work when you're sick. Now, don't go to work if you have COVID, but how can you really know if you have COVID or not? And, and do you really have somebody to cover your shift and you're not going to get your tips, And but we're not going to pay you right. to stay home, but we do need you to stay home. Yeah. And and you can't go eat out at a restaurant, but we, restaurants are open, but we're not going to pay the restaurants. Yeah. Well, I'm so on, the, on that part, like in Michigan anyway, you know, our restaurants have been open for takeout and we have actually increased our eating out because of that we do take out almost once a week before this we wouldn't have eat, we wouldn't have eaten out maybe, maybe twice a month like we just don't go out to eat very often but we've increased over the pandemic so anyway but they're, they're, they've been open but i know that they're i know that they're suffering yeah i know that they're suffering so why are we giving money 
to like mega churches, the Kennedy Center, foreign governments, when we should be giving that to maybe our restaurant owners who are suffering? I think what we need to have done and do moving forward is they're trying to budget COVID in a part of our budget, our national budget. We just mm-hmm. can't do that right now. Mm-hmm. We have bills that need to be paid. And and probably there's another episode of conversation to be had about paying, uh, sending money to other countries and the ways that that benefits and hurts us. Um, mm-hmm. But like that kind of stuff shouldn't be looped in to a COVID relief package. What we need to be doing is paying. And, and the churches thing, that's a separate conversation as well, because what why are we spending all this money on a mega church when we're trying to, you know, and... Dude, and I'm in baffled. theory, shouldn't that mega church be turning around and giving its money to people within its community to help them out? Well, and and they didn't pay in via taxes, so why are they getting money? And and as yeah. like as a Christian, I am appalled and baffled and angered and like what what? <laughs> it's not a business. Mm-hmm. It's not a business it, unless you pay taxes. It's not a business. Yeah. Any, anyway. And, and, and by the way, real, like real quick, just throw in there. Like, I'm not an isolationist. I believe that we have commitments to the rest of the world, right? To to give some money. So like, I'm. But can we can we pull back right now? Mm-hmm. Can we not write it into a COVID relief bill that we're giving money to these? Like, can can we can we can we give it to our own folks first? Yeah. And you know, I'd like to be able to just like even check off a box and be like, you know what, I don't need it. Give it to my my local server who he or she can't work or or the the restaurant owner or whatever like mm-hmm. if i don't need it can i give it now i know i can go give it i know i could just write a check and be like here here's the money yeah um but anyway. or better yet do it in cash so that they don't have to pay taxes on it yeah right yeah. right um but yeah i think that we need yeah. to be finding some serious relief here in los angeles restaurants are outdoor dining is open again but only just got reopened and it's a tricky thing because with our numbers being what they are right now on the one hand you kind of look at it like uh, baffled why on earth but on the other hand we when we feed our crews our, our production crews they are eating outside at tables six feet apart now what we've done is uh what not just us but all these shows have done is they've either basically invested in 200 old school desk chairs you know it's just like you sit down in your chair and you flip over the little desk and you eat there oh yeah and then they spread them out or way more six foot tables and people sit one on either side and then that's kind of it so the restaurants looked at and by the way that uh, crews have been deemed essential workers so the restaurants kind of looked around and said there and there's actually a great video of this woman who's showing video of catering being set up for production but her restaurant isn't allowed to be open for outdoor dining but it's the same thing so i think that's that kind of pressure is why they reopened so it's tricky here right now yeah oh it's all i i imagine it's a whole different world and also speaking of that and speaking of you asked me how i was feeling and i said frustrated um frustrated because we we've been super lucky in that as has everybody else you know we've had a couple positives here and there but like we haven't had an outbreak because masks work social distancing works and uh super frustrated that like people seem to think that this is something to argue about i i lost it 
on a group of young men pretty recently, a couple of weeks ago. I walked into a gas station and not one of them had a mask on and they were just kind of all standing around and joking and talking. And I, I just, I stopped and I looked at them and they just kind of looked at me like, like whatever. And I had my mask on. And it was here in Michigan. Like masks are required in stores. All the, like mm-hmm. it says that on the, on the, on the doors. This is not difficult people. And I looked at, and I, and I just lost it. I said, Hey, thanks for wearing a mask and keeping us all safe. You assholes. And they just kind of looked at me and were like, what? And I was like, and I, and I dropped an F-bomb and I was just like, <laughs> I was ready to go and fight them. And I was just so angry because it's not that difficult. But see, that's also not that anger and confrontation is not normal for you. I, yeah. I hate confrontation. Yeah. But, I, but I'm so, I'm so over it. I've, yeah. you know, I, I, I just don't, I don't understand. And again, in Michigan, it's, it's been this battle between my rights and actually take caring about other human beings just wear your flipping mask mm-hmm. you know i have i have people in my life who are medical professionals who just didn't think it was like no i'm not gonna wear my mask my rights overtake the science and, and it's like how it, now this one particular one particular person is no longer considered a friend of mine i i'm done with them because of many uh, many other reasons but like that alone just baffled me. Yeah. This is not a political thing. This is not like this is. I, What's that saying? Your right to swing a, to make a fist ends at my face. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't want to have to wear masks my entire life either. Right. Like, I don't want this either. I don't know. The more I hear people talk about droplets, the more I'm like, yeah, I'll wear a mask forever. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do think during certain like flu seasons or whatever, or if I'm not feeling well, I'm going to wear a mask probably. Right. But I've been very fortunate over my life. I don't get sick often. I don't have serious illnesses. You know, I, I don't, yeah. I don't get the flu really ever. Like it's just how I am, I guess I've been lucky. Yeah. But I believe that, you know, the, the Asian side of our world is really has something kind of smart going on. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just, but you know, yeah, I, I am baffled at the lack of an, of common sense and the the politicization of it all mm-hmm. it's not that difficult it's not i also don't think that we need to necessarily get rid of handshakes once we're out of this i heard that from somebody the other day was like yeah I'm, we we can never shake hands again i'd be fine and i'm like well i don't know about that i i kind of <laughs> like human contact so maybe you know but i don't know i don't know i mean i think i'm probably gonna go to disneyland first before i shake somebody's hand if i'm being honest it's time to get back to something right yeah I mean, for me, that's been the hardest thing is like that. That's such a big part of my social activities is to go to Disneyland and not mm-hmm. have that open. It's a real bummer, but also not the worst thing. So I think I'm OK. But then also going back to the idea of, you know, an industry that that brings in a lot of money for the town. That is something that it's wild to me. Maybe not now. Maybe it, it wouldn't be able to be open right now, but that it has not opened since March is completely wild to me when Disney world is open and showing a very, very low rate of spread down there. And it's completely different beast, but Disneyland brings in money, not just to Disney, but also to there's downtown Disney. And that's where different companies are, have restaurants and shops and that kind of stuff. People are in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's restaurants and, and places around Disneyland that people now can't go to and Mm -hmm. 
that it's wild to me that that hasn't opened even for a minute. Well, and it's, I don't, I don't know whose decision it is, but it's two different States, right? You've got Florida, which is like mm-hmm. the wild West <laughs> for everything. And then you've got the actual <laughs> former wild West, California, you yeah. know, like, I just don't, I, I don't, I it's, don't understand. I, it's a problem. I, apparently there's just some beef between Bob Iger and Gavin Newsom. Weird. Yeah. So we had a great, great chat on, on the pandemic, COVID-19 coronavirus stuff going on. Um, very interesting in my opinion, point of view, but I don't want to bore our listeners with our continued, like just blathering. Uh, what I do want to think about though, is what, what COVID-19 and the pandemic looks like for our America, for my America, right? For me, as I said earlier, it's been relative, relatively painless, as terrible as it is for so many. For me personally, it's been relatively painless and I'm grateful for that. And yet I still believe it's real. I still wear my mask. I still understand that our hospitals are hurt. Like, like that's the thing that baffles my mind right now, by the way, it hasn't affected me personally. I'm fine financially. I'm fine health wise. This is fine, but it's real. You, anyone who believes that, well, it hasn't affected me. So what's not to be that real. Like you're an asshole. Like, you know what? I'm not gonna play punches. I'm not gonna say anything. Like if you're going to be that way and have no empathy for others and realize that this is real, you're, you're just, you're just not a good person. Or at least you're making a decision. That's just not a good decision. Maybe, maybe you are a good person, but you're just so unempathetic in the moment that you're just being an asshole. So that that's, so number one, that's, that's right there. Sorry, not sorry, but here's my thing. Even though I've been very fortunate, what can I do to make a difference? Right. Yeah. Listening to other podcasts, you know, uh, Baratunde and, and Dr. Mike talking about, you know, how it's affecting others. I understand. But then what do I like? What do I do? I what can I do besides wearing my mask to make this something we can look back on and say, I did my part at least. Right. Yeah. I mean, have you given that like, like, do you think of that right now? Again, as as what as white Americans, we're, we're not facing what many of our fellow Americans are. Do yeah. we just continue to do what we do and try to speak to it? Or like, where are you at? I don't know. It's something that I've really struggled with a lot because I am privileged in that for the time that I was staying home, I was able to stay home. And I'm privileged in my work situation now where I get to stay home for half of a day and then go in. So I think speaking about that privilege is really helpful, or really important. Um, doing my part, masking up, keeping my distance, that kind of stuff. And But I don't know what that next step is because there are a lot of people, like you said, who are hurting way worse and need help. And there has to be more to be done than speaking these truths. But let's not let that diminish how important it is to still speak those truths and to have difficult conversations with people. You know, even in you know, at the gas station, telling somebody, put your mask on. I shouldn't have said because, it the way I did. <laughs> I you, do. you know what, though? I the feel thing bad is about that, that. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody is in a position of power to be able to do that. I will tell you that if I walked into, and in fact, it's happened before. Like, I've seen people with their mask under their nose or um, no mask at all. And in, in fact, the other day I was walking to walking out of our parking structure across, to go across the street into work 
and somebody was walking towards me pulled off their mask to sneeze just free sneeze into the world and then put their mask back on and a million things ran through my head but the other thing that ran through my head is i am a young lady my personal safety health safety and also physical safety were two separate and important things that i had to think about my health safety uh, this moron taking off his mask to sneeze and then put it back on like uh, but then also my physical safety i don't know this guy i'm not in a crowded area i can't confront him so you know you're able to spend your privilege in a way that some people don't have any to spend in that moment like you did so i think that's important as well maybe you know maybe it wasn't the right way to do it because i don't know if there was necessarily necessarily a lesson learned for those kids behind besides you know oh look at this guy I assume right. that's how they talk. Oh, look at this guy. I, I assume the same thing. Yeah, I could have handled it probably much different. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I, but I see what you're saying. Using my, spending my my privilege currency in a way, you know, I never gave it a second thought that I could say what I wanted to and not have to worry about it. They're not going to do anything to me. But, but, you know, doing it with kindness maybe in some way. Hey, guys, you know, like this is a real thing. I have elderly parents or something i could make up something right and be like yeah you know this is this is how this is how it affects others and just you know it, it, would, it would really be nice if you guys like I, I don't know i was just so angry i've had, I've had a couple of interactions like that that was the worst one <laughs> that was one that i actually <laughs> swore i was just like but I, I tell you what i felt better um so but i've had another one where i just was like no it, this is real guys this is real stop saying it's not and and, and this was an employee at a gas station and, and a customer talking and just kind of making jokes and like disparaging our governor and i was like no it's it's real and she's a good person and i think you should stop good you know now it's the only gas station in town that i can go to so i couldn't i couldn't boycott him but (laughs) 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 inconvenient you know for anybody listening if you have an idea for me and i'll just say this for me at least as as a white male uh you know if you have ideas on how i can help send me send us an email myamericapod at gmail.com hit me up on social at dan moyle Twitter or Instagram, whatever. Um, Cause I do, I mean, I, I'll keep doing my part. I will absolutely keep doing my part and I will get vaccinated when it's time. I'm on the fence mm-hmm. about vaccine, this particular vaccine. Uh, I've always been at least a little bit critical thinking about it. When my oldest, when her mom and I were together and we, and she was a baby, we asked those questions. Is it, is the risk of vaccine uh, real? You know, cause we had heard that it was and all these things and like, you know, is there mercury in it? Is there this? Is there that? And and we worked through it and decided to vaccinate her with all of her vaccines. That was our choice as parents. And I feel grateful that I had that privilege as well to be able to make that choice or not do it if I if I chose to. Um, this vaccine, the COVID vaccine, I was a little skeptical of it. Like it got pushed through so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, is this real? And so, but I've done some research on it and I've listened to the experts. They've been working on this vaccine for years and years because coronavirus itself is not new. This is not a, oh, yeah. this is brand new. Like this is, and they've worked across international borders and other communities. And like, they have come together in a way that has never happened in our history. I didn't love the idea of it being called Operation Warp Speed. <laughs> yeah. That's... But I think that we're still giving out the, that we're still giving out the vaccine under a president that genuinely wants to focus on this problem makes me feel a lot more comfortable about it. I had my hesitations as well. I am fully vaccinated. 
I will vaccinate my kids. Um, to be totally frank, I think, Dan, you probably gave more thought to vaccinating your oldest than I, I will. That was 15 years ago when it was, in my opinion, like kind of new, the, the pushback on vaccines was newer. Yeah. And it was, you know, so to me, like this point, I'm with you. Like, I wouldn't give it a second thought anymore. Now we, we have waited on, so she's female. We've waited on the HPV vaccine because again, that was relatively new. And there were some studies done that seemed legitimate that called it into question. And so, you know what, because it's more of a, of a, you know, STD focused type thing. I was like, we're, we're going to wait for now. And she can, she can be, it can be her choice rather than me forcing on her at 12. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I do, I do still want to critically think about these things, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, our, our normal vaccines, just get them done, get them done. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not doing that. I think because we're kind of wrapping up the episode here, I think we could have probably a much longer conversation about vaccines, specifically HPV, but also in general, the vaccines. It might be interesting because I, I have, I have a, a friend whom I respect very much and I care for her and her family. And she is very much anti-vaccine and I struggle with it because I believe that she is smart. I believe that she is a loving person. I believe that she has her own choices to be able to make in a country where we have freedoms. I also struggle with that idea that, but your choice affects every, every, so many other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not vaccinating creates a lack of herd immunity against diseases that we have all but eradicated. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with that. And so it might be an interesting discussion for you and I to have, but also maybe to include other people who see it differently than us and be able to yeah. explore what that looks like. Yeah, I would love that. There you go. There's a preview someday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah anyway, so so COVID-19, it sucks. My gosh, mm-hmm. I can't wait for it to be done and have what is called the new normal. Even though, I, again, I hate that term too. It got overused way <laughs> too much, too quickly. Yeah. Um, but you know, our, our previous normal got us to where we are today. So that isn't good either. Yeah. That's the thing that, that when people want to just go back to normal, there are a lot of things that can be learned right now. If we're willing to listen to what other people are trying to tell us, what our disabled community is trying to tell us, what the BIPOC community is trying to tell us. We need to be listening to the way that this is affecting people and the way that their lives have already been affected prior to this that we can start to work on. Yeah. Like the idea of working from home right now is becoming a little bit more normal. There's a lot of people saying, if you could have let me work from home before, why didn't you? Right, right. Parenting, our kids, single parents, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's a lot of things that are lessons that can be learned if people are willing to learn them. And I'm feeling very grateful right now to have a president who does want to listen does appear to want to listen and learn and take these lessons and um you know even after we get through this because we will get through this Mm -hmm. put some new stuff into place well just listen to the experts just listen to the experts like me and you you know yeah exactly (laughs) don't know whether it's dr ulcerholm or dr fauci like Mm -hmm. listen to people who really work in this every day who have worked across different administrations yeah you know like these are not the quack doctors who only report to one administration and who believe that we have lizard people running our government they aren't real all right awesome well this is a a very interesting conversation thank you for bringing your perspective of course yeah thank you 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. Email us your ideas to help with this pandemic uh, or to tell us that we're crazy. If you really want to tell us that uh, myamericapod at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Dan Moyle by you. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Kim Moffitt. And we as a show, My America Pod are on all those as well. So follow and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, in the meantime, be good Americans. Wear your mask over your nose. Don't take it off to sneeze. Uh, care about other humans, please. Just have compassion. That's what I want my America to look like. That's my out by you. What do you have to say, Kim? Well, I, I think I wish I would have known we were doing that I don't know. at the end. I, I don't know. I would have had something <laughs> nicer to say. I guess also I want you to be nice too as well, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>